Welcome to Stories of Hope. I'm Christine Hotchkiss. Each week, I bring you stories that will inspire you, educate you, and give you hope. I want to thank my studio sponsor, The Motivated Mind Group, your global creative agency based right here in downtown Chandler. Today, my guest is Dr. Paula McCall, and she is the founder of the nonprofit organization Semicolon Society. It provides free mental health education and events to the community with an emphasis on suicide prevention and support by providing direct discussions and resources about mental health. Semicolon Society seeks to reduce the stigma in having a critical conversation, increase awareness and understanding of mental health challenges and reduce suicide in our communities. And we know we have a lot of things that people have been classified or put under the category of mental health. Please help me welcome my guest today, Dr. Paula McCall. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Yes. So we've seen a lot of different things in the news. Mm -hmm. People don't know if it's mental health, mental illness, or trying to get attention. Mm -hmm. And so I have you here to help us on understanding those different categories I just mentioned. Yeah. But first, what, what made you decide to found this organization? Well, there's multiple pieces there. Um, the work, the nonprofit itself is relatively new, but the work's been going on for over a decade, especially in the Chandler community, um, but also in the East Valley. And um, really, it was started when I was working as a school psychologist in the schools, and we had the unfortunate experience of having a couple of suicides on campus. Oh. And uh, responding to those and realizing that we were lacking at that point, especially with understanding suicide risk and assessments. And so I started working with the school districts on developing some policies and procedures for suicide risk assessments. And then in that process, realizing we're missing such a big part, we're missing our parents and we're missing our community. Mm. And they don't know what they don't know and they don't know how to access that information. So that started a series of um, it's an extended amount of connecting with other community members, uh, working with people to de develop and provide presentations, especially focused on parents mm -hmm. and helping build awareness of suicide risk and, um, and how to respond to suicide crises and how to just have conversations with our children. And so it expanded over time to connect with um, other organizations and um, has just really taken off from there. The other piece of that too is that in that process, I myself was a suicidal teenager oh. and uh, went through and still continue as we all do go yes. through the mental health journey that's mm -hmm. our own. And through that process, I really connected with a piece of myself that felt very passionate about making sure that people are equipped with information to have those conversations and to build resiliency and to build connections with our youth and just with ourselves, especially in regard to suicide prevention. So Semicolon Society became official uh, just this past June so that we could really um, do more connecting with uh, community members and other nonprofits and other organizations and um, just continue to move forward in our path of hopefully making a difference. And that's what we're all hoping for, right? We're walking around here trying to figure out what is we can do better mm -hmm. um, based on where we've been. Mm -hmm. um, now, you mentioned a couple different things, and it really struck me because I never thought of this. So I'm being, I guess I was naive to think that suicide couldn't happen on an actual campus of school. Right. You mentioned that. So I'm assuming that that has been said, but it's never reported like we hear about other things right. on the news. Well, and sometimes they're high profile, sometimes they're not. Sometimes if, it's, if there's something that happens on campus during school hours, you're going to hear about the news. Mm -hmm. But if there's things that happen on campus after school hours, a lot of times it's not put out there um, necessarily. And I think that's just the nature of 
trying to protect privacy of family members and trying to help schools and whatever organization. I think you find that with a lot of places. Yeah, yeah. You know, trying to maintain some semblance of normalcy and routine, which is so important to people that are going there. But yeah, I mean, suicide, it's, it's broad. It can happen anywhere. It can happen to anyone. Um, there's really no profile. There's no, you know, dictated mm -mm. No. Piece to it. And you talked about policies and procedures. This is stuff that was written for the schools. Um, and you mentioned parents. Do you have something that helps the parents in the schools at the same time you're helping the students, like maybe um, an assembly or something like that? I'm not sure. Yeah, so it, I know with my own work, what I was doing was providing some suicide prevention conversations with the students and then developing suicide risk assessment procedures um, and then also providing some conversations with parents. What happens right now is it really varies by the district mm -hmm. uh, about what those procedures look like. But I have to say, in, you know, that was over 10 years ago when mm -hmm. that work started mm -hmm. and there were very few policies and procedures in place. Now you can pretty much go to any school district and say, what are your procedures for suicide really? risk assessment okay. and suicide prevention? And they'll have an answer for you. They'll have some sort of risk assessment procedure, some sort of educational component for students. The thing that, ne that Semicolon Society tries to do is fill in some of that missing gap where the school districts can't do it all. There's no way they can cover everyone. And so we are trying to get out to the community, to community members, and especially to parents, and um, about what mental health is, how to have conversations, how to be validating and supportive with ourselves and with our children, and how to recognize risk and warning signs of suicide and what to do if we do, and also how to connect with resources in the community. So we're trying to fill in that, that missing spot that the school districts just aren't able to cover. The schools go through so much because they're dealing with individuals that have so many things behind the house, the closed doors, and then you bring them all into one classroom with one individual trying to figure out how to conduct an education, give them what they need and the tools, and then they've got their personal stuff they're bringing in too. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a tough thing. So I commend the teachers that want to be out there to help these students, and then I'm sure they feel helpless when something like this does get brought mm -hmm. to their attention. And it's heartbreaking because they deal with the, t the students, and then all of a sudden, there's a disruption or there's a loss. Mm -hmm. um, please explain the difference between mental illness and mental health. So I think mental health is something that, just like physical health, um, it's something that all of us have. Mm -hmm. And the, it's on a spectrum, right? Some people are very physically healthy, <laughs> and, but that fluctuates too, right. you know, and how we feel about ourselves and our physical health. So when you think about that and you think about activities that we engage in to build like our own physical health and people go to the gym or they go for walks mm -hmm. or, you know, or they eat well or they get good sleep, you know, or sometimes they don't mm -hmm. and that affects them physically. And so thinking about mental health within that kind of same piece is that we all have some aspect of mental health. We have mental well-being, we have mental health. Where is our mental health at? Right. And that's going to fluctuate. It's going to mm -hmm. fluctuate based on what's going on in our lives. It's going to fluctuate based on what we do. There are things just like for our physical health mm -hmm. that we can do for our mental health mm -hmm. to help build it and to make it stronger. Um, but there's, yeah, so it, it varies, but everyone, that exists for everyone. Now when we talk about mental illness or, ment or, or disorder, uh, like a diagnosable type of disorder, like mm -hmm. depression or anxiety or whatever it may be, then what we're looking at is that something is happening that is not productive for us and is impacting our functioning in some way. Maybe it's school, maybe it's home, maybe it's multiple areas, but it's actually affecting our functioning and it's impairing us. And so that's when we consider more of a disorder or impairment mm -hmm. um, or illness, I guess, so to say. Now, semicolon, I've seen it actually tattooed on a few people not really understanding what it was. Mm -hmm. Why is the semicolon chosen to be 
So the semicolon, you will see people. With I have, those, uh, and I didn't. Under, I don't understand it. Yeah. So semicolon is chosen as a symbol of suicide prevention because in English grammar, a semicolon continues a sentence rather than ends it. So one of our models, actually, with semicolon societies, continue your story. Um, mm -hmm. So the idea behind the semicolon is that that finding ways to continue our stories rather than end them through suicide. Now you'd actually talked in the very beginning about you having been in that position as a as a teenager. I think a lot of things we already talked about as adults. We have things that hit us all the time. We're not mm -hmm. sure. There's no book that says, "Yeah, just turn to this page," and you know, you're you've got all the information you need to go on to the next page. Um, but as a teenager, we have all these different things that happen. Whether it's um, being popular or getting fitting in, um, just getting through your studies, personal life. Mm -hmm. um, then we've got the hormones. You know. Mm -hmm. Where were you in your life where you felt that you had that feeling that now you are using it to help others get through it? Yeah, it's, um, you know, at that point in my life, it was just something I was experiencing and I certainly wasn't reflecting much on it at that point. But um, I, wa I was definitely on that path. And then, but I, I did not attempt. And as I got older, I started looking back to reflect upon that and to try to figure out well, what was the difference. Mm. Um, and realizing this piece of these resiliency factors that people have in their lives and the areas of support that they have and how much some of those things, even in a non-traditional way, really matter. Um, so that's where, yeah, in your, our teens, and especially now that they're navigating all the social media aspects, oh, they're constantly pressures. bombarded. They mm -hmm. can't, they can't not have information right. and, and it's how they've grown up mm -hmm. and it's also one of our biggest disconnects in generations that we've ever seen yes. where those children are teenagers mm -hmm. and their parents are still saying I didn't have that when I was your age you know so there's still this huge disconnect but yeah they're dealing with so many pressures and the academic rigor and social and and all of those pieces and then in addition to that they're living under the household of their parents they're not able to have full command and control of their lives and right. oftentimes you know they don't feel like they can right. when they're still figuring that out um, and then but that's another big piece there is also what's their resiliency where are their strengths where are the pieces that we can build and that's a really important piece that a message that we try to share with semicolon society is that's not just about recognizing warning signs and risk factors and behaviors that are characteristic of possible suicide but also building up those resiliency pieces mm -hmm. so that that pathway doesn't happen you know, and, and finding those sources of support or that if that pathway does happen, it doesn't continue all the way. So now we talked about the schools mm -hmm. and semicolon society. Is there an actual an age that you're actually working with people or kids? Is there an, an age group? Uh, well, we're really trying with our with community connection. We're trying to target families. We're trying to target the community. Okay. Um, we're trying to do a series of events that bring in families with kids of all ages. We want to normalize conversations about mental health. So uh, we're trying not to have events where it's like, well, you can bring your child as long as they're 16 and older and mature. No, we want to be able to have conversations that anyone can be there for because we can normalize and we can have these conversations as families and then families can go home and continue to have the conversations. Um, so, I mean, really it's all ages. Historically, I mean, my focus has historically been working with children and teens and young adults, but um, the other members of my board have also worked with adults as well. And um, again, it's really just about that, that community piece um, the people who 
can think about a, their child or their sibling or their spouse or a colleague and say, you know what, I'm concerned about that person or I want to have better communication with that person or I just want to share more about myself. So really, it's we're trying to be, have, be open mm -hmm. and be more about connection. And communication is huge. It doesn't matter where, what walk of life you're on. Communication is huge. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There could be a misunderstanding or there could be too much information. It's just a matter of who it's coming from. So when you talk about events, are you talking about how to teach people to communicate? Are you teaching them how to see signs? that something is not right so that maybe more communication needs to be had or maybe someone else needs to step in to help? Yeah, so there's multiple things that we do for, mm -hmm. for communication. Um, one of the things that we do is presentations geared towards parents and other adults that you know care about someone younger in their lives basically and we do frequently present on specific related to suicide prevention. So we talk about what are the warning signs, what are the things to look out for, and most importantly, what do we do if we see them? Because a lot of times we point those out, those warning signs, but people don't know how do I even open up this conversation? Right. And how should I respond right. when someone shares something with me? How do I react in a way that's gonna be validating and supportive and not push them away? Um, and then we also talk about things like building resiliency. Um, one of the other things that we're doing is we're starting a series called the Community Hope Project, and that is, it's centered in Chandler, and um, because Chandler has been impacted by multiple teen suicides over the last mm. number of years, we are trying to build our community back together and work on healing and connecting our community. So we're doing a series of events that have family-friendly mental health conversations, um, about resources, about concerns, about conversations, about whatever it is, and we're trying to get input from the community on what they want. Mm -hmm. um, and then also doing experiential activities that build connection. So things like rock painting with messages mm -hmm. of hope, um, or doing some shared uh, uh, conversation at a restaurant, or doing some yoga together, things like that that actually help bond our families mm -hmm. and our community. So it kind of takes, it takes a lot of different facets, I guess. <laughs> I would agree, and you talked about um, communication and events and the distinctions of mental health and mental illness. Mm -hmm. But I will share with you, as I was talking about this to someone else, there are times where medications will have a side effect. A lot of you, and I, myself included, I'm not one to take even aspirin because I don't know what's in there. And then when you have medications where there are people with a lot of medications to help with something and then that comes with another side effect that you have to take another and another of something else, whatever they may be. I have a friend who actually lost her son to suicide based on a medication, and I'm not gonna say the name, I'm sure people already know what that is. And it was one of those side effects that was in the small print. So when you talk about giving warning signs, when she told me her story, there was no warning signs. Mm -hmm. So how would you help someone that would say, there's a warning sign, but sometimes there's not. Yeah, and I would say, you know, and that's, Sometimes that is a case, and sometimes those pieces are masked intentionally mm -hmm. by the person who's considering suicide. I would also say that there's sometimes subtleties that we recognize in retrospect. And so one of the things we try to do is talk a little bit more about what that manifestation might look like. Mm -hmm. um, we talk about one of the biggest warning signs is changes. Changes in behavior, changes in attitude, changes in connections, change. Mm -hmm. When we find ourselves as parents saying that, that's different, or they're acting different than they used to. Mm -hmm. I call it the parent gut, mm -hmm. and we don't pay enough attention to our parent mm -hmm. gut. And sometimes, and it comes, it goes. Mm -hmm. You know, so and there's and as teens especially change a lot. Yes. So, but paying attention to some of those things, I know, like you bring up the medication piece. One of the things that um, 
I try to educate like my own clients and my own practice on is that if you start a medication, you've got to be, a, you need to document. You need to document your mood, pay attention to changes. If you start feeling off or uncomfortable, that's a change that could be attributed to that medication. There needs to be follow-up to talk about that. Because a lot of times people see medication as something that's supposed to help. So they don't even attribute like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm feeling more depressed or I'm just feeling less interested or I'm just feeling less vocal or whatever it is. They don't attribute that to the medication. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, so, and, and I do, it's, it's very, everyone's different. Yeah, so absolutely. as far as warning signs go, mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it, it's impossible to say, you know, like these are, these are the five warning signs to look out for, but we can start and open up a conversation about if something feels different, if something feels off then this is how it feels. And talk about some of those subtleties again. You know, like what, is it, what does it sound like to feel like a burden? That's one of a big warning sign of suicide is feelings of burdensomeness. Mm -hmm. That if only you had a better kid. Mm -hmm. Or why would I, I'm not gonna hang out my friends, I just bum them out. Or um, I knew you wanted a better daughter. Yeah. Like the things that can come out, yeah. but we may not connect that to they feel like a burden. Sure. But if we understand that that's a piece of suicidality, mm -hmm. then maybe we will if it does come up. So you yeah. just brought up a couple of different things that are I've heard. Mm -hmm. You know, I've teenagers say things and they don't really think much about it because you're going, you're just a teenager, you don't know what you're saying. Mm -hmm. But there's some truth behind part mm -hmm. of that mm -hmm. too. Yeah. So with the communication, let's just say someone is saying something like that and it's not your typical teenager just trying to get attention or just mm -hmm. saying whatever comes to mind. How would you talk to someone? Because when we talk about these behaviors, we talk about mental health, mental illness, it's not an easy topic no more than talking about death. Mm -hmm. And there's not always the right thing to say. Right. How would you tell someone to be able to have a conversation where, first I will say that there always has to be a safe space, safe place, safe person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where would you go from there? So, well, a couple of things. So first, I want to touch on the attention thing mm -hmm. because I think it's funny that we talk about they just want attention and we only talk about that in regard to teens. Mm -hmm. We never say that about our adult friends. No. We never say, oh, they just want attention. <laughs> and so it's an interesting conceptualization we have of like this teen attitude. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I, I try to really emphasize is that, you know what, if my teen is saying something to me just for attention, thank goodness because they want my attention. Oh. So that's a good thing. Yeah. I need to tap into that. Why do they want my attention? Mm -hmm. What do they need to share mm -hmm. with me? How can I be here for them mm -hmm. in this moment? Mm -hmm. So, and then as far as interacting with someone who's sharing some thought, whether it's suicide, mental health in general, challenges, problems, whatever it is, as adults in the parent role, we tend to be fixers mm -hmm. and we wanna give them answers or we wanna, assure them everything's going to be okay and we do that with things like well you know in a year this isn't going to matter right. or in five years this isn't going to matter yeah. well five years to them is a long time yeah they were not anything like they were five years ago no. so that is such a difficult that's something we've learned over time and they will too mm -hmm. but they're not there yet right um but we, we don't want our kids hurting so we try to say things and do things that help them feel better but sure. in fact what we're doing is we're tuning them out we're shutting them down mm -hmm. what we need to be is validating we need to hear and say okay i hear that you're upset Tell me more. Mm -hmm. um, and then we want to offer support. Mm -hmm. You know, so I hear you. I hear that you're upset. Tell me more about that. I'm here for you. I'm going to listen to you. What do you need from me right now? How can I help you? Right. You know, what, what can we do with this information? How can I be by your side? Um, so, so yeah, so that's, that's a shift. And it's, it's hard because, I mean, when they were little ones, we did have to fix a lot. <laughs> we did. But you as gave them a sucker. Older, yeah, <laughs> candy or whatever. To learn. And then the going coping through those skills. challenges and that hurt mm -hmm. and that 
the trials and trying something and that didn't work and I need to try something else, we can be there for, for them. We can offer some guidance if they want it. We can offer support, but that's what's gonna build their resiliency moving forward so that they know I can get through stuff because I have, mm. not because someone else did it for me. You're right, though. Let's uh, do it for someone else. Seems easier, but that actually is, uh, it'll backfire on you mm -hmm. for sure. Um, you talked about a few series when it came to getting to the community um, hope. Mm -hmm. What kind of series are you referring to? Like topics? Yeah, so the Community Hope Project is actually a series of events. Okay. And each event includes a mental health conversation um, as well as an experiential activity to connect family and um, in the community. So we have a kickoff event in April, April 28th in downtown Chandler, uh, to, to, to connect people with resources in the community. We have multiple resources for organizations that are gonna be there and talk a little bit about what the community needs mm. from themselves. Mm -hmm. What do we need to have more conversations about so that we can build future events around those? We'll also have teens talking about what they need from their community uh, for, to support mental health development and needs. Um, and then we'll be doing a rock painting event at that one to put out messages of hope. And so we'll be doing different activities like that. Our goal is to get to a monthly where every month we have something. Um, also, in addition to that, we're going to be doing a parent education series, mm -hmm. Tuesday Talks, um, hoping that that will start up sometime in the fall, where once a month on a Tuesday, uh, we have a, a, an expert in a certain area related to mental health, suicide prevention, trauma, anxiety, whatever it is, conversations geared towards parents mm -hmm. to help them understand and connect with their teens or their children um, better. So, so yeah, so those are two of the big things that we have going on. That's great. And trying to target that. And in the meantime, too, we're doing other miscellaneous um, presentations and discussions as we connect with um, other organizations and partnerships in the community. So. Being a parent has a tough title, <laughs> a, <Yes>. lot of, <laughs> a lot of different hats we have to wear, and, yes. and then we get forgotten that we have our own stuff too, so. Yeah, and that's such an important I point. I know. We have to, as parents, remember to give ourselves time mm -hmm. and to work on our own mm -hmm. mental health, mm -hmm. and, and also we're the most powerful model for our children. Mm -hmm. So we wanna make sure that we are taking care of ourselves and that we're modeling coping and we're modeling emotional communication and we're modeling what we wanna see from our kids. If we're expecting our teens to come to us and say I'm having a bad day, then we need to be modeling what that looks like too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm that it's okay to not be okay, even mm -hmm. as a big person. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because we're looked to as if we have all the answers, and I don't have all the answers, because I've looked to other people in my age group, like, I need some answers to these questions. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a domino effect. Yeah. Um, how do you stay funded, or is this just an educational type of program? So right now, that's been a fun part, becoming a nonprofit, is trying to figure out all the funding part. Yeah. So right now, we've been working on um, just getting our name out, getting people to know us. We're a Facebook recognized charity, so people can do fundraisers for us at any time. Um, and we have other options for donations. We're working, we've just gotten a partnership with the City of Chandler Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Division. Know them well. So they're sponsoring one, our first event and um, working with us as sponsors moving forward. Um, and we've had a couple other grants that have come through, small grants, and we just kind of keep applying and <laughs> and trying to get our name out there is the big thing. Okay. Um, we're not a high need type of, of project, but we definitely do want to make sure that we're able to continue to provide events and conversations completely free to the community. And we want to bring people in for what they want. You know, we want to be able to offer 
dinner and food and snacks and resources and materials and items and you know what whatever it may be we want people to be able to do all that and not have to worry about any of it costing them anything so as far as marketing stuff i would say marketing more of the resources to give maybe a handout to when you do these series mm -hmm. to give information like this is the warning signs or this is what you need to learn how to communicate better is that something that would be part of your um, program as well yeah yeah we do actually we table events and we always have a table of resources at our events. Mm -hmm. We have our own information that we have specifically related to suicide prevention and how to have conversations and build resiliency and resources. And then we've also connected with other nonprofits in the community to, we, we provide multiple resources mm -hmm. at our tabling. You know, so it's not just about us, it's about us all working together. So we provide all kinds of resources for other for other nonprofits in the community, for educational supports and, and therapy supports and things like that, as well as resources for therapy groups in the community mm -hmm. that are accepting clients mm -hmm. and do accept insurance, mm -hmm. which are the two yeah. biggest challenges yeah, that are. many people find. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so we try to bring all that together and make sure to to provide that, but we definitely have some of our own information too that we try to get out there, um, as well as website, you know, where we're trying to put all of our information on as well. Perfect. Yeah. So before I ask my final question, is there anything I did not ask, since this is something that you do day in and day out, that you want to share that I didn't? Uh, you know, I think one of the biggest things is, you know, uh, maybe touching again on that piece of what is resiliency and how do we build our resiliency and how do we build our coping and, and really encouraging people to look at that in a proactive way. I don't need to have a mental breakdown to use coping skills. I can use coping skills every single day. I can build my resiliency in every day. And thinking about what some of those factors are that resiliency is a lot of those pieces are like connections, feeling a sense of belonging somewhere. Where do you feel like you belong? As adults, where do I feel like I Absolutely. belong? And where is my support system uh, for our youth having adults who they know they can count on besides mm -hmm. their parents? Mm -hmm. You know, the adults in other roles who mm -hmm. they feel like they can connect with and who they can trust to be there. Um, giving to others, volunteer work, for example, is one of the best things that we can do to build our resiliency mm -hmm. because we can't feel like a burden if mm -hmm. we're giving, mm -hmm. you know, and it really makes strong connections. So I think, um, and then even things like coping strategies and things, you know, we have, there's all different kinds of coping strategies, but imagine engaging in a coping strategy every day, you know, just like I do my workout for my physical health. Every day I also do five minutes of mindfulness for my mental health. Mm -hmm. And I don't wait until I'm melting down. I just mm -hmm. do that as part of my daily routine mm -hmm. and how valuable that is for us as adults, as friends, as parents, for our youth. I think we forget the value of time. Mm -hmm. And the things that you keep saying, it's like routine, it's, that's part of your time and so many people don't realize that time is on your side when you're in control of it. Mm -hmm. So a routine is something you need to get yourself set on, especially when it talks about mental health and our physical health. Mm -hmm. you know, it's a whole entire package. Yeah. And if you're not healthy, then you're not healthy for anything, right, especially right. yourself. So and making those things a priority, putting yeah. them on your calendar. Yeah. You know, having identified times that this is, I'm doing this, I'm going on a hike on this day, it's on my calendar, it's not going to change, you know, or whatever it may be. Being accountable and making it, yeah, stick and stay. Yeah. So I have one final question. Mm -hmm. If I had only one question to ask someone to know about who they are or what they're about, it's this question. What message would you like to leave our guests, our listeners, um, based on the journey of your life? I would say continue and 
One of the taglines that has just come up for the Semicolon Society has not just been continue your story, but I had a moment where I was sitting in a specific location and all of a sudden it just came to me and it was find the hope. Mm. And so I guess my message is find that hope, find that next step, find that peace moving forward. And that's how we continue to move. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're never stuck. We've moved from somewhere that where we've been mm -hmm. and we have somewhere that we're going to. Mm -hmm. So find whatever that is, whatever that next step is, whatever that piece of hope is and move towards that. And it only has to be one piece at a time. We don't have to take gigantic leaps. Sometimes we just move a fraction at a time yeah. and that's okay. That's at every age group. Mm -hmm. I was dealing with it myself this morning. I'm like, I've gotten here. I've gotten this far, you just keep moving you know, one more step. And a lot of times it's very difficult, whatever it may be, is to ask, hey, I need help to figure out how to get to that mm -hmm. next step. Yeah. I don't know why it's so difficult for some of us <laughs> versus others, but you gotta go, no, if you wanna get to the next step, you've got to ask. And that's the thing, reducing <laughs> whatever some of that it is. stigma. You know, asking uh -huh. for help is fine. Mm -hmm. We don't have to do it all. Mm -hmm. As parents especially, we need to stop thinking that we have to do it all. We can ask for help, we can ask for support, we can ask someone else, how, how can I help you? Mm -hmm. We can do all of those things and it's mm -hmm. okay. People appreciate it when we do it. Right, so we right. can do it ourselves as well. Right. Thank you, Dr. Paula McCall for being my guest today. I really um, appreciate it and I got some education on uh, semicolon and semicolon society. Yeah. And I Thank wish you. you luck on your event that's coming up um, just in a couple of weeks. Yes. And then how this will go moving forward being a new organization. Yes, and throughout the interview we've had your um, website so that we can make sure that people can reach you Great. as well. Great. Thank, Thank you. you again. I want to thank my studio sponsor, The Motivated Mind Group, a global creative agency based right here in downtown Chandler. If you have a story you want to share that will help someone else along their story of life and their journey of life, please email me to the address of stories at christinehotchkiss.com. And if you'd like to be a sponsor, please email me to the address of stories at christinehotchkiss.com. Until next time, everyone, I wish you well and you take care. <laughs>